Our Better Business series is supported by the Farm Business Resilience Program through the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Across these next few weeks and episodes, we're going behind the scenes and chatting to some people who are making some serious impact and inroads across Australia. And they're not just limited to agriculture. Our aim is to uncover what's worked for them, discuss their learnings, and through their stories, provide ways for you to get some of those aha moments or things that might be able to benefit you, your business, and your community. Welcome back to episode two with Phil Cloris, the brand and marketing manager at his family-owned Mongrel Boots. If you haven't listened to the first part of our chat, jump on back and give it a listen. In the second part of our chat, we sit down with Phil and understand how he manages the communication needs and channels to ensure that his voice as the grandson of the owner of the business is heard in the decision making. Phil and I chat about the opportunity to sit alongside his family members every single day and discuss the business in various settings, how they approach formal and informal meetings and how the shifting needs of a modern workplace is managed as well as for Phil in his role, which is in brand and marketing, is actually evolving to make sure that they're up to date with the latest trends, but also making sure that they can attract and retain the different types of customers and get the engagement that they need. So it's a fascinating aspect to something which is probably a little bit removed from farming, but there's definitely lots of learnings in this. I'd love to hear what your takeaways are. So after this episode, reach out. Let's get into it. In the first episode, Phil, what we kind of covered was a little bit about you and your background and coming into the family business as well as kind of the history and legacy, but also I think some of those similar challenges of what has faced Mongrel over the years, but also he's facing kind of Australia, but also Australian agriculture in terms of workforce challenges and that need to adapt. What I'd love to know from your perspective, you guys have been running this family business now for five generations. And how do you guys approach that coming back to maintaining the legacy of why the business was established, but also then looking at it in the sense of how do we keep evolving to be relevant in the changing society? Well, I think that's really where, you know, the next generation gives a little bit of guidance in a way. Uh, Like if you look at our structure at the moment, we've got three different generations of the family currently working in the business. So one end of the spectrum, you've got my grandfather who's 85, you got me who's 30, and then my dad who's 60. So you know, we all have, me and my dad, I guess we'd be a little bit closer in terms of our vision of the business. Same with my uncle, sort of where it is, where it's going. And then my grandfather with his, you know, his age, probably a little bit different in the way, maybe just what he's lived through and what he's seen sometimes, you know, what he sort of feels and thinks is the right thing or where the business is going or what we should be doing is a little bit different to us. So I feel like sometimes the the sort of new generation coming into the business may have their finger on the pulse and have a slightly better idea as to the environment we're operating in and and the future. But that's the sort of benefit of having multiple generations in the business. You've got all different viewpoints and different ideas. And realistically, the best thing to do is sort of sit down and, you know, just come up with the best outcome in terms of what we're doing and where we're going and what we need to do to keep up to date with modern business practices or the product make sure it doesn't get outdated or get sort of left behind and not sort of resting on our laurels too much and like legacy too much. So we are always looking at updating the business, modernizing processes, product offering, marketing, stuff like that. You've given me a bit of an aha moment there where like in the sense of your dad's actually kind of the wedge between the two generations. So actually, like where I've always thought of it being, okay, it's say people of our generation and their parents' generation. Well, actually, 
that is there really is a span across three generations and that conflict I'm sure you could just remind your dad every now and then just be like dad just remember when you told me about (laughs) blessing and a curse you know like they say family business is a life sentence but sometimes things you know get relatively not heated but just you know different ages different generations different ideas like that's the the beauty of it in a way but you know realistically the, the main goal is to do what's best for the business that's ultimately the end goal when I go to work every day like everything I do there I'm not doing it to try and better myself or my career like it's, it's all for the business like I tell people you know our brand our logo the mongrel logo the dog like it's more or less it's like a coat of arms for the family really like sometimes although you know we love feedback good and bad sometimes like when you hear a negative thing or someone you know says the boots are no good or something it it really hits it pulls the heartstrings and sort of hurts maybe to me more than say another rep footwear brand because it, it is our family's business it is our name more or less on the line so you know everything we do and not just me the whole family like the idea is to, to benefit the business and, and the brand and move it forward and help our standing whether it's in the market share or in the community or you know everything like that one thing i am keen to understand on that so obviously for you guys to be successful as a business you've got to bring other people who aren't family into your business so how do you guys go building the business which has family values but then also making sure it is inclusive for people who are coming from the outside and go actually this is something i really want to be part of yeah it is probably a little bit tricky to be honest and this is where like the culture side of things or not so much the culture but my grandfather we probably run a leaner management structure compared to say other brands so maybe similar size to ourselves and that probably comes down to he's got a pretty old school mentality and sort of do it yourself. So he doesn't really believe in, you know, of course, we do have some other ad management in place that are not family. But when you sort of float new roles or new jobs or opportunities or something, his sort of mentality is, well, you know, you just do it or so-and-so can do it, who's, who's also part of the family who's, all, who's been doing it. So it is a bit of a challenge and it is probably one part of the business where, again, because traditionally we are, have been quite product focused, he likes to run things a little bit leaner on the management side of things. So, you know, more or less all the main management roles are held by family members, but of course not not all, you know, like the foreman in the factory and some other management positions in our office, that they're not our family. But at the moment we employ, I think, about 78-odd people, including all the factory workers, and we also have reps uh, who are our sales force. So we more or less have a rep in each state and some of them we have two. So with that, like how do you coming at it from as you said your kind of grandfather's always been product led where you come at it with a really fresh kind and it is really obvious a brand marketing approach which is relevant and talks to kind of modern consumers so how do you make sure that your ideas are actually being heard and considered when it comes to that decision making table oh we just raise your voice a little bit more and (laughs) you know that's the difficult part you know that's where like especially me and my grandfather i guess because of the age different and you know, I am very product focused as well, but I would say that I think I have a very, you know, 50-50 split on product and sales and marketing. Like I feel like they're both essential. But yeah, it's sometimes a bit of a challenge to get your point across or convince him. At the end of the day, like he's the director, he's the boss. So it's not like you can sort of overrule him. So it's more if he's against something at first, like that might be a necessity that everyone else is doing and we need to do, like whether it's some degree promotion or sales or something like that. Something that's not product specific related you know, you just sort of keep debating it or, um, you know, putting your point forward. And then usually like if it's a good enough idea, uh, sooner or later, you'll, you know, you'll convince the right people and get it done. But I, I feel like, you know, my role that when I've been sort of controlling the marketing more or less 
for five or six years now, like I've demonstrated that I'm relatively competent in doing what I'm doing. So I haven't sort of made too many bad calls yet, I hope. <laughs> so the idea is like you do the right thing and get confidence instilled by you, by your, you know, your seniors who are, you know, my dad, my uncle, my grandfather. And then, you know, you just sort of hope they let you do your own thing as long as you don't sort of go out and, you know, stay in the lane and don't sort of veer too too far wide or do anything too bad. <laughs> no too wacky partnerships or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. But yeah, it's just a case of, you know, I've had a lot of guidance from my dad and my grandfather and my uncle on certain things. And yeah, I'm not sure when it's your own brand. I think you also, there's a degree of, you put a bit more uh, thought maybe into your decisions or your you know, you know, there's a little bit more riding on it or like I said, even hearing people talk negatively about our brand, it really, um, you know, it gets me down in a way. So I want to make sure whatever we're doing, whether it's on the sales side or the marketing side or the boots themselves, you really just want to um, keep everybody happy from our, our, not only our customers, but the retailers that sell our boots. We have a, we have a really strong network of retailers Australia-wide, both metro and regional. So, you know, we do put a big emphasis on our relationships with them and I think I've been on the road now for about five years and I've really enjoyed my time out there and just, you know, meeting the people who are on the coalface that are selling the boots. And I've seen the the success and, you know, the sales, the, you know, the beneficial side of having those relationships, those face-to-face relationships. People, especially people in the bush, they really do in some towns that are quite far out. They really appreciate when you get out there and, and see them and you don't just flick them an email or you know, they know they can contact me for anything. So I've really seen the positive side of having strong relationships with my customers in the bush and they know anything they need, they can give me a call or flick me an email and I'll sort it out. And the the cool thing about that is quite often once you establish those relationships and you have a good product, like the sales naturally begin to increase and the retailers get more confidence in the boots and it's very rewarding. You know, it's awesome when I go sometimes, you know, I'm in a town and you walk around and every third or fourth person you look at is wearing a pair of mongrels and it's pretty humbling in a way too, you know, like you see all the boots come out of our factory and to see how far and wide they travel and, you know, even to get some of the emails we get and people tell us, you know, just how much a good pair of boots makes a difference to their back or their working life. Like some of these people, they're in them seven days a week for, you know, 12, 15 hours a day, sometimes if not more. And it's pretty cool. Like when you're on the factory floor or just in the office, sometimes you don't sort of think that far ahead as to the impact, the positive impact that the product's having to people's lives and you know, the beauty of it is like they're, they're using them to work and in their businesses too, and which generates their livelihood. So it's a bit of a, a knock-on effect. Absolutely. On the business front, do you guys have like, this is going to be more like a communication business admin kind of question, but like, do you guys have regular weekly meetings, monthly meetings to actually set the structure of what you guys are trying to achieve? Or how do you go about that? Uh, so pretty much we have two, what we call unofficial meetings a day, which is morning tea and lunch. Um, so Pretty much every morning tea and lunch, it's, it's me, dad, my uncle, my grandfather, and my cousins that are in the boardroom. And, you know, it's not really a lunch break in the scheme of things. It's more of a bit of a meeting. But yeah, you know, the beauty of being, we're all in the same building five days a week. So we don't often, you know, bar when one or two of us are out of the office working or visiting customers or something, you know, all you have to do is walk into whoever you want to see's office and have a chat being all family. We don't often have to set sort of Zoom meetings or, or call a specific time to all come together. So some of the, you know, like the production team has a meeting, like a meeting every morning and sales wise you know dad's always in touch with the reps and occasionally we have link ups on, on the phone and or we go interstate to visit the reps and, and visit customers and stuff but we're more or less just always connected i wouldn't say there's you know we don't often need to 
schedule in specific times. And my grandfather's pretty old school. So like if there's something on his mind or there's something that needs to be discussed, like he'll just sort of kick the door down, go in and just start sort of chewing the fat about it. It's not like you get an email request from eating and you all come together in the boardroom at a certain time. You know, there is definitely parts of our business that are pretty old school in that way. You know, we still accept orders by fax or fax, phone, email, anything. And some of that probably does come from the top down with, you know, Bill being pretty old school, like he's 85 and he, yeah, he's, he's still in the office five days a week. He actually gets into the factory at about 5am every morning. He doesn't leave until 4 or 4.30. Far out. That's insane. And that's just really passion that's driving him. He just absolutely loves it. Well, yeah, he, he doesn't know anything else, to be honest. Like, he doesn't want to retire. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot of hobbies, to be honest. He reckons he still gets a kick out of working. He even tells us he's working harder and longer than ever these days. But he's just that generation, you know, like they're just, you know, almost born to work in a sense. He's never had dreams to retire or want to spend time really away from work. Like, you know, a few years ago now, my gr- grandmother used to drag you away for the occasional holiday for a week or a few days and he sort of used to go kicking and screaming. He really wasn't keen on it at all. Like he's sort of happiest when he's when he's at work. And, you know, like I do think it's a generational thing. You know, he's seen his and he's heard stories from his dad too about living through the depression and that was drummed into him from an early age, like sort of keep your money aside for a rainy day and work and, and don't sort of, you know, piss it up on the wall. And he's got a few, a few choice words to say about this generation now that, you know, like I suppose a lot of people his age probably do as well about what we spend money on and on holidays here or there or go across the world and do this and he can't understand it really. He just he doesn't understand why people don't just want to work and pay off your house and have a family and stuff like that. So I personally think it's a generational thing. You know, if you look at our age group now or people in their thirties, forties, what we have access to now is very different to to people who are in their 80s or 90s now, you know, what they had access to and at our age and globalization has a big part of that and travel costs coming down and everything like that. Better not tell him that I was on holidays last week. So Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He's almost like, you know, I tell people about him when I'm out visiting customers and he's almost like a bit of an enigma or a myth. Like you tell people about this guy that's 85 and he owns a business and he still comes in at five o'clock every morning and he works five days a week. And like to most people, that's just like such a, you know, like it's a really cool story and I can see people's fascination with it. Like it's a pretty rare sort of a thing but you know even for me it's quite inspirational as well like it gives you something to aim for (laughs) I don't know personally I'm sure if I'll still be coming to the office five days a week when I'm 85 but you know you see the drive and the motivation that this guy's got at that age when really you know he could just be sitting at home retired or relaxing somewhere and he wants to come into work every day yeah sometimes I look at him when he's leaving and he's sort of you know he's getting old now he's got a walking stick and he's carrying his briefcase and he's sort of hunching over a little bit and it's just quite incredible when you think this guy still has the, that's what he wants to do every day, you know, like he just gets up and it's probably like the same when I'm out in the bush visiting customers, sometimes you see a lot of elderly farmers and you can tell they're 80 or 90 odd as well. And they still look like they've got their boots on and their shorts and work shirts. And they look like they've just jumped out of the, the tractor or they've been in the paddock or herding, chasing cattle around. And again, it's just probably something they've done their whole life and they sort of find it difficult to sort of sit still or not do anything. Literally, they wouldn't know what to do if they had nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think he's at the point now where it's keeping him going. I just feel like probably too late to stop now, which, you know, he'll be fine with because, like I said, we're definitely not forcing him to come in every day. He just turns up. So it'd be remiss of me not to ask, but do you guys chat about succession actively as part of the family? Yeah, look, I'd say yes yes and no, like occasionally. It's definitely not something we focus on too much. Like it is probably something we need to focus on more. You know, we've recently had, like in the last 10 years, we've had the next generation come into the business, you know, me being one of them out of three. 
And with the director's age, now my grandfather's age, 85, it is probably something that needs to happen. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say there's sort of light conversation around it. But yeah, to be honest, we haven't sort of, there's nothing set in stone just right now. But it's what, um, you know, in a way as well, I'd say it's one of those things that sort of occurs naturally. Like as long as you sort of have an idea in terms of ownership and stuff, stuff though that's a little bit, you know, above my head at the moment. But, you know, we've been going for five generations now and I'd say it's probably one of those things that, yeah, sort of just occurs naturally when the time's right. Like I guess there is a little bit of a structure in place as to what's going to happen. And, but, you know, nobody knows when that, that changeover is going to happen or, you know, sometimes in one generation. And, you know, like I know in my grandfather's age, it happened a lot earlier with him taking control of the business, like compared to I believe his father was in his sort of 60s and he handed it down to his you know, three sons at the time. Uh, and sort of went into semi-retirement and obviously my grandfather's well past that sort of age bracket now so I think it's one of those sort of bridges we'll cross when we come to it but you know there's a bit of a sort of understanding of what's going to happen or you know I don't think there's hopefully there's not going to be too many arguments or stuff like that yeah and you don't have to answer this question at all but I'm like a question I've got in the sense of like it seems like ownership for you is something that that's down the track and yeah literally tell me if you don't want to answer this how you're viewed within the business. Are you an employee in the sense of you're remunerated for the skill set and what you bring at that level? So that ownership thing is not something that you're like hanging on to then be able to go and live your life in activities and, and whatnot? Oh, no, not particularly. Like, again, I feel like it's just one of those things where, you know, you're going to get to it like my grandfather refers to me and, I, and my other cousins as well or my dad and my uncle as, as owners, which technically we're not, but, you know, he's just talking about the family as a whole. But yeah, sure. Like that's an opportunity that I would embrace at some point in the future. I, I believe it will. It will come at some point. You know, not. I don't imagine fully, but a part of it with somebody else or, or other family members as well. But it's definitely not something that I'm sort of sort of cracking my neck to get a hold of it at the moment. Fair enough. Now, two questions I want to finish on. One being around: Is there a specific project that you've worked on to date, or one that you can see in the future that you think will really contribute to? either having done it that's brought the business forward or that you'll look to do at some stage in the future that you think will be quite groundbreaking and innovative for the business to move forward? Probably, you know, just the marketing campaigns that we've rolled out in recent years. I feel like, especially the last five years as a company, we've really upped our branding and our our presence in the market in terms of marketing, point of sale, stuff like that. That was probably in years prior, probably an area that was a little bit lacking and I feel like with a bit of a younger mind, I've contributed well to the business in that sense, which is good because at the end of the day, that, that's my job. That's what I sort of get paid to do. But just modernizing it, you know, updating the branding, point of sale, there's all the sort of the facets that, that make up our marketing mix. Um, we moved into TV advertising for the first time only about five years ago, four or five years ago. But before that, we're mainly radio. We're quite heavy on the radio, billboards, a bit of outdoor advertising. But the last few years have really changed up the marketing mix to bring in those much more modern mediums, like heavy focus on digital TV. Uh, we're active in a lot of sponsorships and stuff like that. So you're probably just modernizing the, the marketing mix and bringing it a little bit more up to date and really trying to hit that market of sort of 20, 30 year olds and, you know, change and adapt as people's, um, you know, the way they consume information changes. Like, you know, yourself now, obviously, how big podcasts are. Like five, 10 years ago, nobody was listening to them or they more or less, they barely existed. Where I know myself and I drive to work, maybe 70, 80% of the time in the car, I'm listening to podcasts. So it's more, we've had a, a lot to do with the yeah, updating the marketing mix and just making sure we're reaching our, our demographic and our target market and we're sort of getting in front of them. And so my one final question is around that opportunity to work alongside 
your father, your grandfather, but also your cousins? What would you say would be like the most valuable lessons you've learned through business, but also life being involved with them? Oh, it's hard to say, to be honest, as you know, it's lessons you learn every day, you know, especially my dad and my grandfather, like I draw a lot of inspiration from the, the both of them. Like I said, seeing someone who's 85, who doesn't, you know, doesn't really need to work and could be retired, seeing him come in every day and the effort he puts in, it, it's quite motivating. But, you know, the other thing you just, it, it really encourages you to work on, which to be honest, whether it's family or not, it's probably very relevant. It's just your communication and your, you know, your skill set when it comes to communicating and dealing with people. I think I've been, I've learned a lot the last few years, especially with sales. Like I've got 200 odd accounts that I deal with personally and, you know, every door you walk through, you're dealing with a different personality. Uh, everyone's so different. So just trying to figure out ways or come up with ways to effectively communicate with them and, you know, have good relationships with them, whether they're family or just customers, co-workers, any, anything like that. Beautiful. Well, Phil, thank you so much for jumping on and having a chat. I found it really interesting actually finding out more about the mongrel boots business and well, Victor Footwear. <laughs> and Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me. Now, I'd love to hear from you off the back of this one because I think there's probably quite a few aspects of this conversation with Phil that rings very true to many family farming businesses. I know from conversations that I've had in the front seat of Utes, at barbecues, at pubs with friends who are involved in their family business, that actually there's a lot of similarities to what Phil was talking to and maybe there's a couple of things that float up as part of this that you might take and go oh well that could work in my context or otherwise now join us next week we've got the final two parts or the final people that we're going to interview over two episodes ed bradley and b litchfield from hazeldean down in cooma god we're coming to the back end of the snow season it is a great chat and we can't wait to share it with you so mark that one in your diaries next friday come back here on the humans of agriculture podcast to get in the know as part of our Better Business series. This series is supported by the Farm Business Resilience Program through the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. And our aim is to sit down and chat with various people who have lived experience in business management. Through their stories, it's our aim to share their learnings, their approaches, and how they've supported developing themselves, their businesses, and their teams.